Is it possible that your subjective mind has an effect on the objective world? Is it true that mind and matter are so intimately connected that it's impossible to separate the two? If that is true, how can you use this information to not only change your body, but to change your life? I'm your host, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and in the previous episode, we went into depth on the understanding of the placebo effect. In this episode, we're going to discover the quantum model of reality. What you're about to learn may open the door to show you how your thoughts literally affect matter, that your thoughts matter. Let's begin. Much of what we understood about the physics of the nature of reality before the 1900s was categorized under the concept of Newtonian physics, or what we call classical physics. Now think of classical physics, or Newtonian physics, as the physics of the predictable. And when Newton had his realization when the apple fell from the tree, the realization basically said, things are moving in a smooth and continuous fashion, and when the apple falls from the tree, as long as I know the distance it's falling, I can determine how long it's gonna to take to land. And because of Newtonian physics, we can shoot a rocket to the moon with accuracy. You'll know the exact time it takes for you to travel from Los Angeles to London. We can determine then the trajectory of planets rotating around the sun. And because of Newtonian physics, we have enough understanding to be able to navigate in our three-dimensional world. So think of Newtonian physics as the physics of the predictable or the physics of the very large. Now, at the turn of the 19th century, Albert Einstein and Max Planck began to study the subatomic world. And what they were interested in doing was, just like an apple falling from the tree, they wanted to begin to disturb the electrons that were existing around the nucleus of the atom. And all of us have seen that classical model of the atom where you have the atom being like the sun and you have all these electrons rotating around it. And that was the model that was existing up until that point. When they began to disturb that electron and add energy to it, they expected that the electron would move towards the center of gravity, towards the nucleus of the atom, just like an apple falling from the tree, that it would fall in a very smooth and continuous fashion, very predictable way. But what they discovered is that the subatomic world of those electrons behaved very differently than very large world of apples falling from trees. The electron would gain energy and lose energy. Then it would gain energy and lose energy. And instead of it falling from the tree in a smooth, continuous way, like rolling down a hill, it was more like a ball dropping downstairs, gaining energy, losing energy, gaining energy, losing energy. And they realized that the subatomic world no longer behaved like the large world. So then they began to try to measure the electron. And what they discovered was that that model of classical physics, where it said the nucleus of the atom was like the sun and the planets rotating around it, isn't actually the truth. The way it really is, is that there's a nucleus and then there's a cloud of energy called the wave. And in that cloud of energy, the electron could exist anywhere. Now, let me give you an example. If you blew up the nucleus of the atom to the size of a Volkswagen bug, the electron would be the size of a pea. 
Now, where that electron could exist would be the size of the state of Utah, or twice the size the country of Cuba. Now, there's a lot of possibility of where that electron could be. When the field of probability is existing, the electron exists as possibility or potential. So when they began to measure the electron, they began to look for it, all of a sudden, that energy collapsed into a particle called collapsing the wave function, or a quantum event. Subjective mind, for the first time, had an effect on the objective world, and the observer effect was born. Now, here's the cool part. The moment they took their attention off the electron and they no longer put their awareness on it, that electron, that particle, turned back into energy and turned back into possibility. Now, you may say, well, yes, that observer effect, mind and matter, are intimately related on a subatomic level, but does it really affect our life in large-scale events? Does the observer effect only work for the tiny and not for the large? Well, maybe we're just poor observers, and maybe we can learn how to sharpen our skill of observation. So before we go any further, let's talk about the definition of the quantum field. Think of the quantum field as an invisible field of energy that exists beyond this space and time. There are no people there, there are no things, there's no place to go, there isn't even time. It's one infinite field of energy and information that has nothing physical or material. And you can experience the quantum field with your senses. So quantum physicists, for almost 100 years, have been trying to understand this unifying field. And in fact, they've given the name to the quantum field as the unified field. And they're interested in studying the mathematics of unifying all the forces that begin to cause order in our three-dimensional world. Think about the Big Bang. After the Big Bang, after that explosion, there was tremendous amount of order that was created after that explosion. If you observed an explosion that took place in this three-dimensional reality, there's typically disorder. And after the Big Bang, we have order, some unifying field, some intelligence that's governing the nature of reality. So then, what are the forces then that begin to unify all of these different elements to create such order? Quantum physicists have come up with all different theories to begin to understand with the mathematics how all this energy works to create such order. So think of the unified field as an invisible field of energy that connects and organizes everything physical. We've talked in previous episodes about living by the hormones of stress. And when we're under the gun of the fight-or-flight nervous system and the brain and body are aroused, the very chemicals of stress heighten our senses and we become materialists, perceiving our world in three-dimensional reality. So then when we feel the chemicals of stress and we're living as matter, local in space and time, then we feel separate from everything material or physical. So think about the three-dimensional reality is giving us the illusion of everything separate. In the unified field, the quantum field, the zero-point field, that universal energy, 
that's governing and creating order in all of three-dimensional reality. That energy has nothing to do with separation. We would say that this energy is about connection and everything in the material world is interacting with each other in terms of energy. So the physical reality we experience with our senses. If we can't see our dreams, we can't smell them, we can't hear them, we can't feel them, we can't taste them, they don't exist for us. But the quantum model of reality is a reality that exists beyond our senses. You can only experience it with your awareness. So then three-dimensional reality has everything that's material, has height and depth and width. The quantum field is made of energy, frequency, vibration, information, consciousness. It's the realm of thought. So then, if we're matter trying to change matter, it will always take time for us to manifest reality. Why? Because we live in a realm where there's an infinite amount of space. And we experience time by moving through space. And so here I am, Joe Dispenza, one point of consciousness, one point of awareness, and then I have my attention on another point of consciousness. Let's say my car. So if I wanna go from one point of awareness to another point of awareness, I would have to move my body through space. And when I move my body through space, it takes time. So then based on my experience of the past and how fast I walk, I can determine about how long it's gonna take me to get from one point to another point. So then here's me, Joe Dispenza, and then here's my dreams way over there. And most people then begin to try to predict when their dreams are gonna come true. So they do that based on their past experience of linear time. So then their dreams are way out there, and now they have to move their body through space, matter to matter, every single day to arrive at their dreams. And of course, it takes time to do that. So if reality is both a particle and a wave, if it's both matter and energy, and we're functioning in this three-dimensional world and all of our attention is on everything material, and we understood from previous episodes that if you're living in the familiar past or you're living in the predictable future, then for the most part, you're living in the known. Now that sweet spot of the generous present moment is called the unknown. And that unknown is where all possibilities exist. Now let's demystify the quantum field. If you took away all the people, all the objects, all the places, you took away the sun, you took away the earth, the moon, the planets, the stars, the light from the stars, the galaxies, you took away everything material, what would you be left with? an infinite void of anything physical or material. And that fertile void, just because you can't see something, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And that fertile void is filled with possibilities, filled with unknown experiences. So then how do we get from the known to the unknown? How do we get from the material world to the immaterial world? How do we get from the world of the senses to the world beyond the senses? How do we move from the world of the predictable to the world of the unpredictable? How do we move from three-dimensional reality into other dimensions or other realities? And I want to talk to you about the formula that allows you to get there. So in other episodes, we talked briefly about getting beyond the self. 
that most people spend the majority of their life living in separation instead of living in connection. And because they're feeling local in space and time as a body, then they're using their body to begin to create outcomes in their life. They'll spend the majority of their life developing an identity that's connected to knowing someone, to living somewhere, to owning certain things and living in certain places at certain times. And this becomes the autobiographical self that is stored in the thinking neocortex. So then when a person goes from a narrow focus to a broad focus and they take their attention off of everything material and they begin to open their awareness not to matter, but broadening their focus and tuning into energy or information or nothing material, the act of opening their awareness allows them to begin to change their brainwaves. And you learn then that if you do this properly, as you slow your brainwaves down, you begin to get beyond the analytical mind. And if you're not thinking about anybody, if you're not feeling the pain in your body, if you're not thinking about checking your text, if you're not thinking about where you need to go or where you're sitting or how much time you have, you would begin to no longer activate the circuits in your autobiographical thinking brain that has everything to do with everything known in your life. And as you begin to suppress this part of your brain, the seat of your identity, your personality, and you slow your brain waves down, as you do that and you begin to tune into energy, that unifying field, its signature is oneness or wholeness or greater levels of order or connection. And as you begin to become aware of it and put your attention on it, and as you begin to sense the vastness of that empty void, as you begin to focus on nothing but energy, if you can begin to keep your attention on it, it will begin to create more order or more coherence in your brain. So not only do you change your brain waves, but as you learned, you create more order and more coherence because the brain's attention is on something that's highly orderly. And we could say that the moment you take your attention off your body, you go from a somebody to a nobody. The moment you take your attention off your identity that's connected to certain people and certain things or times and places, you will become no one in nothing, in nowhere, in no time. And that is the moment you become pure consciousness and you disconnect from everything known in your three-dimensional reality. And we could say then, if you're no longer in the familiar past, or the predictable future, you are falling into the eternal now. And according to the quantum model of reality, all possibilities exist in the eternal now. That means then, in the now, you're no longer in the known. Now you're in the unknown, and that's where all possibilities exist. So to get beyond yourself then, means you have to become pure consciousness. Now I've been saying, if where you place your attention is where you place your energy, and you take all of your attention off everything material, and you began to become nobody, no one, no thing, nowhere, and no time, and you became pure consciousness, what if then you allowed yourself as an awareness to stay in the unknown? If you can linger without a name, without a face, without a gender, without your pain, without your disease, without all the relationships you have, without your past or your predictable future. It makes sense then that the longer you linger in the unknown, where all possibilities exist, 
by very theory, the more you would create new possibilities in your life. So then, just like in the quantum physics experiments, where they were observing the electron, and the electron went from a cloud of possibilities, the wave function, and it collapsed into a particle, all of a sudden, when they turned their back and no longer looked or observed the electron, it turned into possibility. It's possible then that when you disconnect from everything known in your life, and you're no longer observing your life from the same level of mind, that your life can turn into possibilities, just like the electron turns into possibilities. Now, getting to the present moment is the work. The moment you start noticing that your attention is going to memories of the past that are connected to certain emotions in your meditation, that's the habit of how you've been thinking up until this point, and you have to break that habit. Which means that you have to return your attention back into the present moment and unfold as an awareness back into possibility. And every time you do that, that's a victory. When you start to notice that you want to get up and quit, and you settle it back down into the present moment, and you unfold back into possibilities, that means then you're telling your body that it's no longer the mind, and you're executing a will that's greater than the program. And if you keep doing that over and over again. The body will begin to surrender into the present moment, just like training an animal. Once it finally can surrender into the present moment, if where you place your attention is where you place your energy, and all of your attention and energy is in the present moment, you have a lot of energy to do amazing things. So then, all those possibilities that exist in the quantum field exist as electromagnetic possibilities. They exist as frequencies that you have to begin to connect to. So then, what are the ingredients that allow us to tune into those potentials that already exist in the quantum field? Well, it requires two things: a coherent brain, that is a clear intention, and an elevated heartfelt emotion, that is what begins to open our hearts and creates coherence in our heart. So then, if you are disintegrated in your brain, and that you have incoherence in your brain, and you haven't trained your heart to begin to become more orderly and produce a powerful magnetic signature, then you can't read information or broadcast frequencies into the field. In a sense, then you're on the wrong radio station. And the more coherent your brain is, the more coherent your heart is, the more you can tune into those potentials. Now let's demystify the process. So many people spend their entire life creating in lack. They see something that they want, like a new car or a new wardrobe, and they notice that they don't have it. And when they notice that they don't have it, they experience separation or lack. So what they start to do is they start thinking about having that car. They close their eyes, and in a period of time, they start seeing themselves actually driving the car. But when they open their eyes and they realize that the car hasn't manifested. They start experiencing more lack, so then they try harder to get it. And how do they try? They force, they wish, they control because they're matter trying to change matter. Once you begin to open your heart, once energy makes it to this center right here, this is our connection to the unified field. This is the center we create from. This is the center of wholeness or oneness. This is where our divinity begins. This is the union of polarity, or the union of opposites. And once energy makes it to this center, all of a sudden, like dropping pebble after pebble 
after pebble into water, it begins to create a resonant magnetic field. And that field can be up to three meters wide. Now you're starting to open up and become more energy and less matter, more wave and less particle. And now once energy makes it here, that energy can carry information or a thought or intention. And you can begin to lay the thought on that energy because that energy is consistent with your healing. That energy is consistent with your new dream. The energy is consistent with your new job or your new relationship. That energy can carry the thought of your dreams. The energy of suffering can't carry the thought of your wealth because it's not consistent with that energy. So then when you begin to open your heart and you raise your energy and you begin to lay the thought on it, think of the thought as the electrical charge in the quantum field. And think of the feeling as the magnetic charge in the quantum field. And how you think and how you feel begins to broadcast new energy and new information into the field. And for whatever you broadcast into the field is your experiment with destiny. So then when you get really good at creating brain coherence and heart coherence, and you know how to elevate your emotional state, and you begin to feel the emotion of your future before it's made manifest, then you're no longer living in lack. You feel like your dream has already happened. So then when there's a vibrational match between your energy and a potential that already exists in the quantum field, now you no longer have to go anywhere to get your dreams. Now you are connected to that field of information that's connected to everything material. And when there's a vibrational match between your energy and that potential, now all of a sudden you'll begin to collapse time and space and you'll begin to draw the experience to you. And now you no longer have to go anywhere to get it. You are the vortex to your creation. So think of it like this. The thought sends the signal out and the feeling draws the event back to you. So if you're intending on having a future and you're waiting for the experience to happen so you can feel the emotions of your wealth or of your freedom, of your new relationship, then you're sending the thought out, but you're not drawing the experience back to you. So here's a great example. The HeartMath Institute did a novel study where they took a group of people that were expert prayers and they set three vials of DNA in front of them. And they said to them, now listen, with all of your intent, we want you to see in your mind the DNA winding or unwinding and just keep doing, keep visualizing it winding and unwinding. That's the concept of the mind. They did it over and over again, over and over again, and they checked to see if the DNA was changed in any way. And at the end of the experiment, the DNA was never changed. Intention did nothing to affect the DNA. So then they said to them, okay, now open your heart, create heart coherence, and just generate that signal out into the field. And let's see if that energy begins to affect the DNA. At the end of the experiment, they checked the DNA and there was no change in the DNA. But when they said to those people, now we want you to see the DNA unwinding and we want you to open your heart and give thanks that it's actually unwound before it occurred. The moment they combined that clear intention with an elevated emotion, more than 20% of the DNA unwound at a remote location. The thought sends the signal out, the feeling draws the event back, or better yet, 
As you begin to open your heart and broaden your field, that energy is the handmaiden or it's the carrier of that thought and now you can begin to affect the nature of reality. So a fundamental question is, what are you broadcasting on a daily basis? If you finish your meditation and you combine a clear intention with an elevated emotion and your heart is open and you feel connected to the energy of your future, it's your job to maintain that modified state of mind and body your entire day. And if you can, get ready. Something unusual is gonna happen in your life. And it's gonna come in a way that you least expect, that surprises you and leaves no doubt that it's come from your connection to the field. And you won't be able to predict when it's gonna happen or how it's gonna happen because if you're looking to predict it, you're laying down a known over an unknown you have to live in the realm of possibility in a new state of being. And the moment you say, I got frustrated because of a coworker, I got angry because I was in traffic, and you disconnected from the energy of your future, now you're back to the energy of your past and don't expect anything to change in your life. So then our job then is to be able to regulate the state with our eyes open as well as our eyes closed. And the side effect of this when done properly are those synchronicities are those serendipities, are those coincidences that are beginning to come to us. And we no longer have to go and get it now. We are now a vibrational match with everything between now and who we are in our future. And now we are collapsing our future and bringing it towards us. Now that I've shown you how your mind can influence your outer environment, it's my hope that you'll use some of this to begin to collapse space and time into a new reality. In the next episode, we're going to discuss the difference between space-time and time-space so that you have a roadmap in order to create from the field instead of from matter. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Dispenza for Rewired, and I hope to see you in the next episode where you go beyond the ordinary into the extraordinary. <laughs>